Hey, college kids. Today's episode is with Miss Kara, who is a college essay coach. I have left the link to her website down below. Make sure to subscribe, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, college kids. Welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Kara. So if you could introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Kara Kolf. I'm a college essay coach. I work with students one-on-one to help them develop their best college application essays. All right. So let's start with like my first question, something I've always wondered. How, in your opinion, because you aren't an admissions officer, but you've been in this field for quite some time. So how much weight do you think the essays, both the personal essay and the supplementals carry in the overall college application? As you say, I don't come from an admissions background, but my suspicion and from what I have read, they weigh reasonably well. They're not going to overcome an overall mediocre application, but if you have an application that is going to stand up among a crowd of solid applications and you're a school that's looking for the best candidates and you've got a lineup of 100 students and you can only take 75 of them, I think the essays are going to weigh pretty heavily. Okay. Okay. So now let's actually jump into the process here. When and how should you begin your essay? So like when, junior, senior year, and then where do you even start when you begin your, at least your personal statement? Great question. You want to start early, but not too early. Junior year, you're busy and you're also still a junior. You're growing and developing and living life and becoming a better writer all the time. So I don't actually recommend starting until summer after junior year. But at that point, you really want to start thinking about it. If you can be on top of it by early July, that's fantastic. If you can work on it in August, that's great. September, you can get it done on time, but you're getting more stressed because now it's fall and now you're trying to do all of your application work. So the earlier, the better up to that beginning of summer point. And then where do you think people should start with their essay? Like, should they start with the essay generating? Should they choose a prompt? Like, where do you even start? That's a great question. The first thing I want to ask is, in an ideal world, what would I like the college to see about me? What do I want to project with this essay? And from there, they want to look for a story. How can I show that? Who am I? How can I demonstrate that? And the common app prompts are actually really good for that. Um, A lot of prompts that people create for um, essays can lead to kind of boring essays, but I think the common app prompts are pretty great because they're designed to elicit a story of growth. You want to show this is who I was and this is what I tackled and this is who I became. And that's really what the prompts are looking for. Mm And something I've always wondered is it's going to vary person to person, but how long do you think or do you recommend a person a person should spend on their personal essay and then also the supplemental essays? Like, do you think you should dedicate like a, a good month to like revising and creating your essay? Yes, I do. I know that there are students who try and turn it out in a week or a weekend. Um, there are people who do boot camps. I don't do boot camps because I don't believe it works. It's not true to the process. You want to give yourself enough time to generate ideas, maybe not like some of your ideas, maybe find one that you do like, work with it, develop it, edit it, 
Um, and it has to be 650 words or less. But in an ideal world, you're going to get as close to 650 as possible because that's all the space you get to show who you are. And so you want to make good use of it. And so you want to write a lot and you're probably going to end up having to cut it back to fit in that space. So I think a month is a reasonable goal. Um, I have students who will work like with me once a week over maybe a six week period for that personal statement. And it depends on the writer. Um, If a student struggles with writing, it's going to take them a little bit longer. Ironically, if a student doesn't struggle and is really a great writer, sometimes that takes longer also because those students are more wrapped up in the process and how exactly it should sound. And they've got bigger ideas and symbolism that they want to work in. And that takes more um, editing. Right. And so it does depend on the writer. But yes, you do want to give it enough time. And then a question you wanted for me to ask, which is actually a really good question. How do you stop procrastinating and not use the deadline as your like motivation for writing your personal essay? Because let me tell you, the early decision or whatever, early action deadlines just ended. And like seniors, I have classes with a bunch of seniors and like they were all stressing because they all procrastinated and were trying to get it done the day before? Yes, such an important question. And I see it happen every year. I have students call me October 15th. Can I still apply early decision? I wouldn't is the honest answer at that point, um, which I usually tell them. And sometimes they take that advice and sometimes they don't. Um, But the answer to how do I stop procrastinating is to number one, feel confident about what you're doing. And number two, give yourself the time for it. So when I say feel confident, Here's what I see happen with student writers. You are accustomed to writing things for school that realistically you probably don't want to write. And um, so what happens in your mind is a win is getting it right the first time. If I have a paper to write for English class and I don't want to write it the first time, I don't want to go back and rewrite it either. Right. And in addition, you're often in AP classes. You're preparing for SATs and ACTs and essay tests where you really don't get a second chance. You're learning to think of successful writing as writing it once and being done. And that's not the way real writing happens in the real world. Um, It's a useful skill. But when it comes to, for example, an essay test, let's say you read Huck Finn in English class. You've probably been discussing that book in class out loud for two weeks. And then you have to go in and you have to write an essay test about it. Well, all the ideas that you're going to be writing about are right at the front of your mind. You've just been discussing them. So you can reasonably produce something like an essay with all the ideas that you've just been thinking about. And essentially, that's been your pre-writing. Your class discussion is your pre-writing. But when you go to write your personal essay, none of that has happened. And so when students set themselves up to think, I should be able to sit down and write about myself because, hey, it's just me. It's my life. They're setting themselves up to fail. And that's why they procrastinate, because they're waiting for the time to sit down when it's just going to come out right. And that's not going to happen. So the way you stop procrastinating is by telling yourself, you know what? I'm just going to sit down for 15 minutes right now, and I'm going to write down some ideas of what I might want to write about. You might hate those ideas. Great. It doesn't actually spend any more time to spend 15 minutes writing down a bunch of ideas that you end up saying, those are all terrible. I'm going to throw them out. Then to spend 15 minutes staring at the screen, waiting for inspiration to strike. And usually what happens is that 15 minutes or 30 minutes 
something valuable does come out of it. And so then you've made forward progress. So I really want to go off of that. It's just one other like really random question I want to ask. So what is the difference between the common app prompts and the coalition app prompts? Like, Great is there question. A difference? So they, there are two different sets of prompts for the two different applications. Um, both of them have an option of write whatever you feel like writing. So you can always use one for the other. In my personal opinion, I prefer the common app prompts because I think that they're better targeted to those stories of growth that I believe schools really are interested in. Um, and so I find that the coalition app prompts are not targeted in that direction. And I don't think they elicit as interesting of an essay. So I usually encourage students to write a common app and then send it under the anything goes prompt. But there are actually two, the first one and the third one almost entirely overlap between the two application systems. So there's also that. Okay. Okay. So back on what we were saying. So how do you, I wouldn't say like your life is boring, but when you haven't had anything and you know, you're sitting there and inspiration is not striking, you don't know what to write about. And you're like, Oh, you know, I go to the farmer's market with my parents every weekend, but is a college going to find that interesting? So how do you like find a topic when you don't have, when something doesn't like click immediately, like something significant doesn't click immediately? Great question. One of the things that we think about our brains is that they're kind of like a filing cabinet and we can just kind of go in there and check on things or like Google, like, okay, brain, tell me about a time that I Turns out your brain doesn't really um, remember things in that way. The second common app prompt asks about learning from failure. And that's one where your brain is pretty quick to go, oh yeah, I have failures. Yeah, let me tell you all about them. It's kind of tragically never forgets them, right? But there's another one that asks about challenging a belief. And you can think, surely I've challenged a belief at some point in my life. But your brain doesn't remember things under the heading challenged a belief right? You have to think it through. You have to go through multiple steps to get to that story. So one thing I will recommend is, is heading over to my website and checking out my guided tour of the prompts. That does break them down in that exact way um, to say, okay, what is the prompt really looking for? What is um, the best way to attack this? But I think it's really great that you asked that question. Like, what if I don't think my life is that interesting? True story no one thinks their life is that interesting. Your life only seems average to you because it's yours. It's the one you've been living with for 17 years now, right? So you think, okay, what's interesting about this, but you still have different experiences than other people. The other pieces that you have stories that in combination are different. So maybe you did a volunteering project um, and lots of people have done volunteering projects, but maybe you have a personal connection to this, or maybe you um, also um, were living with your grandmother who was dying of cancer at the same time as you were doing this project. And that's really what made it your story. What really makes us different is how all of our different pieces come together, because there's almost no story we can tell. That's really only our story. And honestly, if there were, that would be kind of sad, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. That's why we read literature, because it tells us that we're not alone. And so when we go looking for that great story that's going to make us stand out to the colleges, we're really asking the impossible. We are not 
fundamentally different from all the people around us, but that's okay. We can still be different by being ourselves. That is such great advice. I was worded so beautifully. And another question I have with like, when you're creating your story, I, f- I think, I feel like this is such a standard thing that most people don't think about it. Even people who know a lot about like what I should, should, you know, quote unquote, should and should not include in my essay. It always seems like it's supposed to end on some sort of positive or like inspirational end. Like I may not be there yet, but I'm still improving. I'm getting there or I did get there and I'm so proud of myself. Is that like necessary? Like, have you ever seen essays where it didn't end on a positive or inspirational and it did work out in the end? That's a really interesting question. Um, I always tell my students to try to resist the temptation to end with that sort of, and that's why I know everything is going to be okay, or, and that's why I grew so much. I like to call it putting a ribbon on it, tying that essay up with a sweet little bow at the end. We are so tempted to do that. And it really is not always the best way. Um, But should it have an uplifting end? Yes. I think it should. There should be a sense that that story of growth we talked about, that character arc, if you will, you are your own main character in your essay and you're growing and changing. And um, at the end, you are still a work in progress, but there's a sense that like something came of this experience that was really interesting or valuable. And I was I was amazed. I my eyes were opened or I learned something or here's how I am now that's different. Um, So maybe we would see you doing something at the end that we wouldn't have seen you doing at the beginning. Another thing. So I have like listened to like some college, like essay um, coaches and such. And one piece of advice I heard was in your essay, every single sentence should be irreplaceable. Like the essay could not do without that sentence. Is that true? Or is it okay to provide some like context to make sense of it? That's really interesting. I've never heard that before, but I'll tell you, I'm a huge fan of The Elements of Style by Strunk and White, which if you've never read it and you want to become a better writer, you should just go out and find at the library. It's a very thin little book. That book. Yeah. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. And it's um, one of the things that it says is omit needless words. Mm -hmm. Now, that's exactly what that advice was in longer form, omit needless sentences. The question is simply, do you know which ones are the needless ones? That's the real trick. There should never be fluff in a college essay because, again, we're talking 650 words. I can't tell you how many students have gone, I can't cut another thing when they were at, you know, 850. Because this is their life story and it's important, but it can't all fit. So you definitely don't have room for a sentence, you don't have room for a word that's not valuable. You're not going to use, I don't know. I'm, I would love if I had like all sorts of free time that I don't have to go back through student essays and actually do a percentage of the number of adverbs that are used, right? Adverbs, if you don't remember what an adverb is, you're going to want to go back and check that friends because it's really useful um, to know when you're looking at editing your piece, how do I know what to cut? Well, First thing on the chopping block is always the adverbs. Those are the things that describe how we did something. Like I quickly walked across the room. Probably didn't need to know that. Or I really want to go to your school. Probably don't need that really. Either you want to go or you don't. So 
we don't have room for a single wasted word, let alone a wasted sentence. But the way you framed the question, I definitely want to address that because it sounded like you heard that as well. Okay. Everything has to be like moving the plot forward or something like that. Not so. Every sentence has to have an important meaning to who you are and what the reader needs to understand in order to see your growth. So you don't want to spend any words just like fluffing, like, you know, I don't know, like describing more of, you know, the curtains in the auditorium were, you know, deep red and heavy velvet. Like we probably know that because it's pretty much what curtains in every auditorium look like around the world, but okay. Probably across the country. I can't really generalize to around the world, but you don't want to leave out all description and all detail either because the reader cares about that. That's how they believe it's your story. The more details you eliminate, the less it feels like you. That goes back to that. How do I stand out? It's not going to sound like a believable story if you don't include enough detail to make the reader believe you were there. And another thing, I'm just going off like random questions here. So another piece of advice I heard is your the colleges have already seen what extracurriculars you've done. They've seen the time commitment, what you've actually accomplished in those extracurriculars. And they and from the people I've talked to, they're like, the essay is an opportunity for you to show just a whole nother part of you. It's like the most personal thing that you can submit to a college. So do you believe that you should just not mention your extracurriculars in the essay? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, I disagree with that advice. And here's the only reason why your extracurriculars, your activities are where you live your life. So if you are passionate about science bowl and you spend a ton of time there, why shouldn't you tell story about something that happened within the context of science bowl? Because 650 words is a whole lot more than 150 characters. Mm-hmm. You haven't said everything you did in that activity. You've said as much as you would fit in a resume, like a line and a half about like um, responsible for taking attendance and raising $30 per student for, right? Like tiny little things whatever like you did as part of this experience, you have to summarize in the tiniest space possible. So if you did something really amazing, like you founded a club or a chapter of a club at your school and rounded up 30 people and got them involved and taught them how to do something and went to do some competition, that's you showing your leadership. Absolutely. You should write about it. It doesn't mean you have to, but From what I've seen, there are great essays out there that are more like poetic, personal, reflective, um, and they get into, you know, they might tell a single story about an afternoon going for a walk by the lake. To me, that's a real risk. If you're not a really great writer, that essay is going to fail. A really great writer and most students know where they fall, though I will say from what I've seen, really great writers often think they aren't as good as they are um, they're, because they're very highly attuned to everyone else around them and how competitive everything is. But if you've seen that you tend to do well in English class and you think I'm pretty creative, I want to go for something unusual, go for it. Don't like don't try to um, do something different for the sake of being different. 
But if you really feel called to tell a story, like I just feel like this is going to show them who I am this afternoon that I spent antiquing with my grandma, it's going to be this amazing metaphor for go for it. But if you're not a really confident writer, telling a story with a really clear plot line is going to be more successful for you. And if you live your life in your extracurriculars, don't be afraid of mentioning them. Yes, they know you do it, but that doesn't mean they know how you do it. And on that note, are there any topics that you absolutely say, like, don't write about it? Like some people, you know, the very general sports essay, do you think there are any topics that you should definitely avoid unless you can, like, absolutely make it like, unlike any other sports essay the college is going to read? Yes, that's a really good question also, because I've also heard that advice. And I would say the only things I would avoid are things that go back to your earlier question, things that can't end on a positive note. If you have a story where you're really like, you know, I've just been really struggling to figure out who I want to be and I just don't know yet. And it ends with a feeling not of like the world's full of possibility, but like, I'm just still struggling with that. I don't think that's presenting a side that you really want to present. But when it comes to topics, I feel like it's really unfair to say to students, don't write about mission trips, don't write about sports, don't write about this, don't write about that. What if that's your life? Does that mean that all of those people, their life doesn't count? Does that mean that a student who loves soccer should not get to write about what they love, but a student who loves to paint because that's maybe slightly more unusual that they can write about? Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't sound fair to me. And that's when I go back to that layering advice that I think is really important. No, you're not applying. I mean, maybe you are, maybe you're being recruited for soccer, but if you're not being recruited for soccer, you know that you're applying to school, not a soccer team. So it's not about how amazing you were as you know the star player on your team, but it's about maybe how your teammates relied on you or how you became like the big brother or big sister of all the freshmen on your team or about how you learned to work harder than you thought you could work to be successful. Those are all legitimate stories. It just can't be a how I won the big game for my team. That's not the story they're looking for. But a different angle within that topic, to me, that's fair game. And now, like your perspective, like specifically, what are of the essays that you have helped students with? Can you like, Tell us some of the best you think like were like the best, most unique or the most memorable essays that you've helped students write. That's a good question. I would love. And my hesitation is actually just that I don't necessarily have permission to share those um, Mm -hmm. stories. I actually, as a policy, don't even share student essays with their parents unless they give me permission. Oh, wow. Because that's the trust that we have. Right. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons some parents prefer their students to work with an essay coach is because it can cause a lot of tension between teens and their parents when parents want to know legitimately, are you getting on with this? Are are you finishing your essays? Is it coming out well? But then when they go to give feedback, the teen's like, oh, come on, mom, this is, you don't know what you're looking at. You don't know what it's supposed to be like. And there's a lot of tension and bad feelings that result. And so often they will say, okay, why don't we outsource this to a professional? Then we know that it's getting done and we know that the teen is getting an adult perspective, but it doesn't have to be my perspective because we know the teen doesn't want mom's perspective. So that's 
I will always make sure that I'll say, okay, you know, are you checking with your parents? Are you letting them know how it's going? Um, but I never tell parents what the topic is um, for that reason. So yeah. I don't exactly feel comfortable sharing other people's stories. Um, but I will say the best ones are just always the most personal, the ones that are willing to share, not things that are inappropriate, but just things, feelings that were true, maybe even unexpected experiences that were hurtful, that they got through. Um, yeah. And stories where they realize things about themselves that they didn't expect. I love telling students that the act of writing the essay is in some ways a prompt five experience. Um, that's the common app prompt five, something that gives you a new understanding of yourself or others. I find that my students are consistently surprised by themselves in the process of writing the essay. They realize things about stories that happen like oh, I didn't know that that's how I felt at that time. Now, looking back, I realize that that's why I did that, or that's how I was feeling, or that's why I reacted that way. And it gives them a new perspective on how they are now in relation to that, which is always so cool to watch. And it's a really a privilege to watch. Yeah. And if you can answer this question, which I, I think you kind of did, of the students you've worked with, which prompt do you think that the essays you've seen fall under, like of the common app. Can you share that? Yes, that I can. Mm -hmm. um, my favorites are two and five. Two is the one that asks about failure or challenge. And five is that one that says an accomplishment event or realization that um, leads you to a new understanding of yourself or others. They're both really targeted to stories of growth. And as a close follow-up on that, prompt three is the one about challenging a belief. And that also leads to great stories of growth. Prompt one is always a solid one, but it really, prompt one is a fine choice for the specific students that it's perfect for. Prompt one is this one that says, do you have a background identity, interest, or talent that is so meaningful your application would be incomplete without it? And those are often stories of personal tragedy, um, lifelong challenges like health or um, learning disabilities, things that might fall under challenge, but not a one-time specific challenge like prompt two. So prompt one stories work great for the people who have prompt one stories, but if you don't, a two or a five is really my, my favorite because yeah, that is exactly what we're looking for. How do we see you grow? How do we see you become who you are now? And I just, when I was interviewing this girl from Duke, she shared what her essay was about. Like she obviously didn't share it word for word, but she did share like what she wrote about. And I want to get your like opinion on it. Do you think it was risky? Do you think it was you think it's really interesting, like you've never seen anything like it before. So she is, her and her household, they were never really religious. She had no like really connection with God or anything. And she said when she was going on like a walk or a run one day in the afternoon, she was just kind of like lying down in the grass and she decided to like pray. And she didn't know what she was doing. She didn't know if she did it correctly. She didn't know who or what she was praying to, but she's like, I gave it a try and she's not like religious now, but she's like, it's something I gave a try, something like I challenged myself to do, I guess, or something. I just took a chance at it. Right. And I didn't know what I was doing. So I want to get your opinion. D does that sound like really risky to write about? Does that sound like really interesting? Like you've never heard anything like it? Because I thought it was like, I was like, whoa, what an interesting topic right there. 
Yes. Um, so here's what, um, it obviously worked for her. So I love getting right from that perspective. Um, I would say, um, I wouldn't call it risky because of the religious aspect. I do think that you have to be careful how you frame that, depending on what schools you're applying to, just in terms of like being aware that people will read differently into religious experiences. Mm -hmm. But like I've had students write about um, religious retreats before and how much it changed them. And I think that that's fair to write. That story, I would have to read the actual essay to really appreciate, I think, because what is happening there is all what I would call inside story. So, right, when you're reading um, any kind of essay or literature, you're always looking at an inside story and an outside story, right? So if you take, like, Finding Nemo, um, most people recognize that one at least. Um, We have the fish who has to swim the ocean to find his missing son, right? That's the outside story. Son is missing, must go find him. The inside story is this fish is particularly anxious and not good at going out of his comfort zone. And he has to completely leave his comfort zone or he's never going to find his son. So he has to overcome that inside in order to succeed at that outside story. He's never going to find his son if he does not overcome this internal barrier. So when you're thinking about your essay, a good question to ask is, is this inside story or outside story or ideally both? So the the thing that made me think that one was risky was it was entirely inside story. And so she's probably a really good writer to be able to effectively convey what happened inside because she challenged a belief on the inside and then acted that out through internal prayer, right? So we don't see necessarily a change. She went with it. She tried it out. It didn't work for her. So she thought it through. So she had to be a great writer to make the story come across so that the reader understood, oh yeah, she really did that. That's really how she was thinking and feeling. And so I don't think the topic was um, necessarily risky, but if she couldn't convey in a believable way how she really felt, then it would be risky. Okay. So I want to go into some other topics now. So when you have people... that's the question. Should you have anyone read over your essay? Like if you're not going to get a professional like coach to read over it, should anyone read over your essay? And if yes, who should read over your essay? Oh, great question. Okay. Yes, you should. Um, but not too many people. One of my students had the marvelous realization this fall that every time I show this to someone, they're going to have an opinion about it. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, that is exactly what you need to understand. It's kind of like the idea of telling people what you're going to name your child before you have the child. If you tell them before it's settled, they're going to think that they get an opinion on it. But if you tell them, this is my child, Penelope, they're going to say, oh, how nice. That's it. That's her name. You don't get an opinion on it. It's done. And so if you show people your essay, you are going to get an opinion. And that is a risk. But I would think that you would want at least one trusted person. Um, I would say if you have a great relationship with your parents, that's marvelous. They, what your parents or your siblings have um, is a great awareness of you. And they might be able to give you 
really good perspective that you've lost on, well, but you haven't even shown them how creative you are, or you haven't even shown them how much work you put in that night when, where maybe you were thinking, oh, I didn't think anyone would care about that. And your family knows those details and they can remind you. And that's valuable if you have that kind of relationship. Um, the risk with getting feedback is always that you might have someone or some ones who have more opinions about the quality of writing than maybe they should have. Um, most parents are pretty aware it's been a long time since I've applied. Um, some of them even have older siblings or, you know, the parent has an older child and they can say, it's been a long time since my older child applied. I don't really know what we're looking for. And that's a great level of self-awareness. You really have to be careful when you get feedback because a personal essay is a personal essay. It's not like any other kind of writing. And so if you have a parent who's a lawyer or a business person and they're a great adult writer who does this, you know, writes briefs or emails or what have you, that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to see what's working in a personal essay. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that if you have um, someone try to give you feedback, often when people edit, if they're not really trained or practiced as an editor, they can tend to make changes to their own ear preference. And you want to sound like you. You want to sound like you at your best, but the voice should be coming through as your own. And if you get feedback from other people, they might tend to change something to how they would have said it, mm -hmm. as opposed to how you're trying to say it. And so you need to kind of be careful, like, should I let them like, oh, I've got some grammatical errors here. I've got some mechanical errors. It's good to get that feedback. Or to have someone say, mm, this part is kind of unclear. I'm not sure what you mean here. But you want to be careful about letting people change a sentence or something like that because they say, mm, this is just confusing. Say it like this. Mm -hmm. Unless it's, you know, an English teacher you've had at least a year and you really like them and you know you trust, like, okay, they're, they're pushing me in a good direction. This is really more what I meant to say. Don't let someone push you to change it to how they would have expressed it. So I have one more question before we quickly move on to like supplemental essays and the couple questions I have about them. So I have a friend and he's a senior, he's applying to college and he knows I do this and like podcasting. He's like, okay, can you like give me advice? Can you look over? Is my idea good? Da, 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 da. Right. And he was, he gave me like a few essay topics. He's like, can I get your opinions on these? And I looked through them. I was like, oh, this one's good. I like this about this one. And then another one involved another person that was really important to him. And the advice I gave to him is, yeah, you can include another person, but remember, it's your personal statement, so don't make the story about them. However, I don't know how to do that. So what is an effective way to put like someone really important, someone really impactful in your story, yet still make it your own? Like I heard the example where this admi admissions officer read over this boy's essay about his like grandmother and how he loves her so much. And at the end, he was like, great essay, but now I want the grandmother to come to the school. I don't want him to come to the school. So how do you successfully incorporate another person without making it about them? That's a really excellent question. And it's one reason I don't love the new Common App Prompt 4, which is about um, gratitude, essentially. And it's asking about, you know, what is something someone else has done for you? 
And I saw that as a really big red flag for students who don't like to talk about themselves, which there actually are a lot of students out there who are really shy and don't see themselves as spotlight kind of people and don't really want to talk about themselves. And they can get caught up in stories of other people. The honest truth is it's not my favorite topic for that reason, because it really is hard to write about someone else without letting them steal the show. Um, If you're talking about a story of growth, like um, this is actually an example I read years ago that was not a college essay. It was a middle school essay, but it was about a grandparent dying, but it was a grandparent with whom the student had not a very good relationship up until the point where the grandfather started dying. And then it was like, okay, we have this last chance to reconcile. And so that was the story of growth for the student. They reconciled with this person who was not a positive influence in their life up to that point before he died. Um, That was a story that worked for a personal essay. Um, When you write about another person, it really is hard to pull off. I don't know that it ever, remember that 650 words, always 650 words. It's so short. If you're going to express something really critical about yourself, it really should be focused on you and something that happened to you. And so if it becomes, um, you know, the relationship you had with any sort of mentor figure, unless here's another literature moment. If you pay attention in literature, the mentor figure is never there at the end, right? They cannot be there or the hero can't have his or her big moment. The hero will not grow into being a hero if the mentor is still there. If you look back over, um, you know, all the literature you read, you think that can't be true, but you're going to start paying attention. You're going to look for it like, oh, that's where the mentor dropped out. That's where the mentor died. That's where the mentor had to move away. They're never there at the end. And so if you're writing an essay about a mentor and how important they were to you, they can't be there the whole essay. All right. All right. That makes, that makes sense. That is very true in literature now that you actually go back and think about it. All right. So I do have a couple questions about supplementals. So I think when I went to U Chicago, the tour, they were telling me about their really abstract prompts. You know, it's like, what would you do with a gallon of mayonnaise? Stuff like that. And then there's like Stanford, one of their prompts, most of their prompts are like pretty normal, but then there's one that's like, Tell us what is one historical event that you want you would want to go back to and witness or whatever. So when you have such unusual supplementals, do they genuinely just want to know your honest answer or do you need to lace some sort of like meaning behind it? Like what do they expect? Great question. I love the University of Chicago essays. They're so fun to read. Um, I believe, and I will say this as not a U Chicago alum, um, other side of the lake. Um, <laughs> I went to Northwestern, so uh, I, I can't. I love that school. <laughs> um, can't say anything too nice about U Chicago. It's just it goes against my principles. But no, really, I do love the U Chicago prompts. I think they're really creative and fun. And so my instinct when I read them is to say they are looking to see you be smart and creative, right? We already know that it's a highly competitive school, and so they're asking questions that obviously have no right answer, right? What's so easy about pie? I don't know. What is so easy about pie? Um, There's 
not one correct answer. So you can't be looking for that. And sometimes I say to students, and I, I hope no one would mishear this, but if you look at the UChicago prompts and you think, I have no idea what they're talking about. Is UChicago a great fit for you? I don't mean, are you smart enough to go there? There are many other schools of comparable quality that don't ask that kind of question. Keep in mind, if you get into UChicago, your roommate will be the kind of person who thinks it's interesting to talk about what would happen if in the 13th century you sailed off the edge of the world or what you do with a gallon of mayonnaise. You see, like, so this is the, I believe that to some extent, highly competitive schools ask difficult supplements to remind you when you're applying that this is going to be a difficult school. Don't apply here if you don't want to be challenged because it's going to be challenging. So they want you to be aware of that. They want to get a sense of who you are and they want you to get a sense of who they are. Um, and then yes, they want to make it more difficult to apply so that people don't just apply for the sake of trying it out. You have to really be committed to apply to these schools. You have to have taken the time to write the essay. But with UChicago, I think that they're looking for a sense of internal logic in your answer, but obviously there's not a correct answer. And if it's, you know, what historical event, yeah, an honest, interesting answer. The challenge is, is this person well-read or at least culturally aware enough to have an answer that's maybe not just like, I don't know, something really like recent or really landing on the moon. Right. Exactly. Like, okay. Um, something important that happened. I don't know. Um, signing the Magna Carta. Okay. Really? Why? Why is that interesting to you? Go for it. <laughs> like, so I think, yeah, you want to be honest. I think that some of these, like, is it university of North Carolina that asks what was the most interesting thing about last Tuesday? They're, they're hitting you with these questions that theoretically aren't actually easy to make up an answer to, mm -hmm. because that way you can give something that's really personal and authentic. Mm -hmm. What's the most interesting fact you've learned from research? That's another, I think it's UNC that asks that, or maybe Maryland, done a lot of applications this fall. Um, but that's, again, it's an example of, it doesn't matter what you pick, as long as it's something that you couldn't have just known you had to have learned from research because it's unusual. All right. So kind of going on the other end of the spectrum. So safety schools are obviously like not highly competitive. It's a safety because it's supposed to be easy to get into, but like, and obviously they're not going to have as many interesting supplementals as like university of Chicago, but there is like a trend in like less selective schools denying overqualified applicants because they're like they're definitely not coming here and they do to some extent you know care about their statistics as well so when you have these supplementals for safety schools and you're just applying because it's a safety school how do you make it seem genuine to them because you they likely know that most students applying here are only applying because of a safety so how do you make it not seem like you're applying because it's a safety that's a really good question i've heard about that and it's appalling because what if they really didn't get in anywhere else? What if that really was the best school for them? Um, I think the key, if the question is, why do you want to come to our school, which is one that you might get at a safety or a reach, I tell students, you really just have to mean it. There's not a trick to, I mean, you can go out and read like marketing books about how to make yourself sound believable if you're not sincere, but really the better trick is to make yourself actually believe that you want to go there because it's not a true safety if you don't want to go there. 
a safety isn't just a school you can get into. It's a school that you want to go to that you can get into. If you were, would be completely unhappy at that school, take a gap year, take some community college classes and apply to your dream school again next year. Um, because you still have to pay for the safety school. You still have to go to all the classes. You still have to do the work. So don't hate it. Um, so when you're writing, why do you want to go to this school? Really fall in love with that school. Go to the website and find out what they have to offer that makes them special. And really talk about how much you look forward to being part of the community and part of the, um, you know, whatever Society of Women Engineers Club that they have there and how much you look forward to watching the women's soccer on weekends and cheering on your roommate and, you know, like get into the spirit of it, really believe yourself. Because if you, if you think like, I'd love to get into these reach schools, but if they didn't come through, I could be happy at this school. Stay with that feeling and write it. All right. So we're coming to an end here. I do this with like the college students I interview, but I guess I could do it with you as well. What is like the one piece as people are applying now or, you know, starting their regular decision applications, what is the number one piece of advice you want people to keep in mind, no matter which path they decide to take, no matter who they decide to like show their essays to, what is the one piece of advice someone should keep in mind? Let yourself write and then edit. Don't expect it to come out right the first time take your time and you will be happier with your results. All right. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. It was really fun. I learned a lot too. I've listened to many, many talks. I've learned a lot in this one. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Again, I left the link to her website down below and also down below is the link to my blog, collegerealitycheck.com. But other than that, I hope to see you in the next one.